Yeah, as you can tell, we're doing things just a little bit different here. Um, we're doing our senior communicators 5 by 7 here this afternoon. And they were in the first service, so I'm going to do it again here for us. We've been doing a series around here that we've been calling Better. And over the last eight weeks, we've been looking really at the role of the Holy Spirit in our life when Jesus said that it would be better for him to leave so that he could send us the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about how we can hear his voice and his working in our lives and just kind of the ins and out of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so you're going to hear from these five amazing people who I'll introduce in just a little bit of how they've experienced just the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I want to read to you, first of all, from Psalm 71. It's one of my favorite passages, and it's so applicable for this, this um, service here today. Psalm 71, starting with verse 14. It says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And I know some of these are trying to hide their gray hair just a little bit, but um, I, I told them earlier this morning that it's not because that they're old that they're up here. There's just a lot of great wisdom sitting up here on stage. And it is our, yeah, go ahead and put your hands together for that. It really is our desire um, for you to be able to hear and for more importantly, for there to be an impartation to take place um, from their lives into your lives. And I, I, I was telling to them this morning that my dad used to all, and still does to this day, he says, um, uh, there's so much wisdom that gets buried in our cemeteries around the world. And, and it, just, it just makes me heart sick to think of the reality of that. And so I'm just so privileged, and I hope you are too, in having these five amazing people share their stories and the Holy Spirit's working in their life. And, and by the way, they're going to have a countdown. They're going to each speak for seven minutes. Um, you're going to be able to see the countdown. They'll see the countdown. But all everybody, we're to be their cheerleaders, so just cheer them on um, as, as they share. Let me introduce you to these five amazing people. First of all, this is Miss Georgia Arms. Put your hands together. So amazingly enough, she's been married to Larry Arms for 46 years. Um, they have two kids and two granddaughters. Um, and she didn't put this. I asked them to write these things down for me, and I was giving her a hard time earlier. She used to work here. Um, she used to work for me, work with me um, here on Chapel Lake Travis, and then she left me. And um, she now works full time um, with Plexus to influence a health revolution. She's a native Texan. Listen to her talk just a little bit. You can tell that to be true. And they have lived here in the Spicewood area for 35 years. Some fun facts about her. I asked everybody to give me some fun facts ab about themselves. So her dad was a preacher, which was always hard when she was around here because she kept on correcting me. Um, her dad was a preacher. She's the seventh of ten kids. And listen to this. I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what she said. Her picture hangs in her high school basketball hall of fame. Come on, all five, two of her is, again, I don't know if it's true or not. They just submitted it. That's Ms. Georgia. Next to Ms. Georgia is Mr. Floyd Clearman. He's the elder of the bunch, coming in at 88 years old. He 
He was married to Marietta for 65 years, and then uh, she passed, and she and he married, you'll hear the story just a little bit, to Miss Luttrell, and they've been married for two years. So Floyd was married for 65, Luttrell was married for 65, so they have 130 years of marriage experience. So all of you who are married, if you need some marriage advice, you go to Floyd and Luttrell, not to me. Um, he has four boys, six grandkids, six great-grandkids. He was hired right out of the high school by a local bank and retired 40 years later as an assistant vice president. He's been living in this area and attending this church for the past 20 years. Um, he is a native here of the Austin area. And the fun fact about Mr. Floyd is that he is an avid and gifted fisherman, and friends ask if he was born with gills instead of lungs. <laughs> and the next uh, Floyd is Miss Nancy Pickens. And so she's been married to Dick for 63 years. They have three kids, 11 grandchildren, two step-grandchildren, three great-grandchildren. Um, she has taught piano many years and since 2000 has helped Dick inspect radio and TV stations in Texas. She's the one that goes up and down the towers to inspect them. They've owned land out here um, for the last 25 years. And a fun fact about Miss Nancy is she met Dick at the age of eight when she played piano on his radio show when he was 10 years old. As a teenager, she did square dancing on horseback at the local rodeos. And she also told Dick, who was a Baptist, that he would have to become a Presbyterian if he wanted to marry her because she didn't want to sing those old gospel songs. That is Miss Nancy, and next to Miss Nancy is Mr. Larry Carlton. He's been married to Brenda for the past 18 years and has two kids and two grandsons. Um, he's a retired teacher and has been involved in the health and wellness industry for the past 17 years. He's lived in Spicewood area for the past eight years, originally from Houston, and got here by the way of Fredericksburg. And a fun fact about Mr. Larry is he loves to go country western dancing. And then next, Mr. Larry, is Miss Marilyn Henderson. And he, she's been married to Phil for the past 40 years. Uh, she has two daughters and four grandchildren. She's a registered nurse, and most of her career she was, has worked in women's health. She currently works at the Medical Institute for Sexual Health as the Science Department Director. She's also an Austin native and has been in the Spicewood area since 1979. And a fun back fact about Miss Marilyn is she likes anchovies on her salad and her pizza. <laughs> All right. So without any further ado, put your hands together for Miss Georgia. I don't know why you question that, Russ. Basketball. Okay. If I could impart any wisdom to you today, it would be how God is interested in the minute details of your life. The Holy Spirit, uh, as I've experienced him, it sometimes comes out of the blue, but it's very specific to the point and memorable. You will not forget it. I was saved at age 10 and immediately knew that I wanted Jesus to direct my paths because I knew that I would mess it up. Um, at about age 12, I started praying that God would show me the man I was to marry. Because I 
I like toys, I'll, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, I thought, I'm going to mess it up if I don't pray about it. So I did. About age 15, my parents moved from Hamilton, Texas, to Mineral Wells. They say they went up there for financial reasons. But I say the Holy Spirit led them there so I could meet Larry. Um, I started dating Larry. Our first date was our senior year in October. And it wasn't an exclusive relationship at all. I was dating others. He probably was too. But about a month into it, I, I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit telling me that, you know, I said he's specific. He says, Larry's the one. And I'm like, whoa, um, I'm only 17. We've just been dating for a little bit. I, I'm not sure, Lord. You know, I'm like, really? Um, so a couple of weeks later, we go out on a date, and we're at our favorite hamburger hangout, sitting in the parking lot waiting for our burgers. And Larry is... You know, we're both sitting in the front seat. He's kind of looking across the passenger seat at me, and I'm looking at him. And we're cutting up, just joking, having a good time. And girls, you're going to be so jealous. I got the proposal of all proposals. He looks over at me, cocks his head a little bit, flashes that crooked grin, and says, Want to get hitched? <laughs> See? I told you, I did not get the down-on-one-knee, flashy engagement ring, or even a rose, but I got hitched. <laughs> so I thought he was joking, because I thought, there's no way he would know that God's already talked to me, and I didn't want him to know that, because that would scare a high school senior, you know, my football player and everything. I thought, that scared the heck out of him. So I didn't say anything, and I just jokingly replied, sure, why not? And um, gosh, by this time, we're probably less than a month till Christmas. And for Christmas, he gives me this sweet little uh, promise ring. It's a little heart with the diamond in the center of it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this guy's serious. Um, so I decided I should probably get a little more serious and as well. And a year later, we got married between semesters at college. I was so glad God made it clear to me because I promise you I would have messed it up. And like everybody else, at 17, when I got married, I wanted it to be for the rest of my life. I think we all do. Um, so anyway, that was, that was the story of how I met Larry. That was probably the most significant Holy Spirit revelation. But not all nudgings of the Holy Spirit are as fun. Some of them are pretty serious. You know, there's several places in Scripture where it says something like this, that you will know things you wouldn't otherwise know unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. So one morning I was getting ready for work. I was putting on mascara, and I distinctly felt the Holy Spirit nudge me that my high school daughter was doing something specific. She's here, so I won't say. And... <laughs> But she was doing something she should not have been doing. And that sick feeling was just like, oh, my gosh. So it was later that day or the next day we, had, we were able to have a conversation. And she said, yeah, I mean, it, it was true. It's not a fun thing for a mom to know, but at least you have a starting point in that conversation. 
Another time, Larry was working on the ambulance, and he was on 24 hours off, 48. So when he was on, I didn't sleep very well at night. So that night, I had gone to bed, couldn't sleep, got up about midnight, decided to paint the trim in my bathroom. What everybody does at midnight, right? So I'm sitting in my bathroom floor. I can tell you exactly where I was. It was in the corner behind the door, the lower section. And again, the Holy Spirit tells me that my college-age son was dabbling in blank, something he shouldn't be. He's here, too. Um, So I'm like, oh, no, Um, this can't be true. I thought, Lord, is that you? Are you really telling me, you know, to warn me, to prepare me, whatever reason, or is it the enemy trying to scare me or put doubt in my heart. And so this time, I didn't know what to do with that information, so I just prayed. Every time the clock would roll, like 111 or 222 or 333, when all the numbers, like 111, just rolled, um, I would stop and pray for him. And so he probably got 10 times as much prayer as my daughter did. Um, but anyway, it was um, several years later, we had a conversation, and he confirmed that that was true, that about that time he was dabbling. Um, so I blew the mission on that one. There's so many examples. One night, I woke up, and just the thought popped in my head that we're going to be audited by the IRS. Where does that come from? And so, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, we get a letter that we're going to be audited, and we were. And we actually got more money back. So we've never been audited before or since, but that was the time the Holy Spirit gave us that nudge. So I just say this to you in summary. When the Holy Spirit speaks, to me, it's distinct and memorable. You don't forget it. I almost always hear him during quiet time. It could be when I'm in the shower, putting on makeup or painting, (laughs) Uh, in Bible study, prayer, um, road trips, drive time, just pretty much any time that life is still. And so I encourage you, if you want to hear from the Holy Spirit, you have to make room for quiet time. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming out and hearing these testimonies. It's been a real blessing to me. And I'm going to tell you, folks, you're looking at an 88-year-old man that has been blessed by God in so many ways that I feel so humble and I feel so fortunate. The first place, when I was born, to parents that were spirit-filled, they raised me, taught me for difference between right and wrong, it pointed me in the right direction, and when I was about seven years old, there was a traveling evangelist that came on the school grounds of Ains School out west of Austin and preached a hellfire and brimstone message and scared the wits out of me. Uh, I didn't think I'd be able to get home without the devil getting me. So I knelt down on the rocky steps of Ains School looked up and invited the Lord into my heart, became a born-again Christian, and I've tried to live with him for the rest of my life. I made a lot of mistakes, but he never gave up on me. Growing up, I was privileged to 
being raised in a, a Christ-related family, I was never exposed or never tempted to indulge in any of the alcoholic beverages or nicotine products or, or drugs. One involvement with drugs, my parents drugged me to church three, <laughs> three times a week and several different revivals. So I was, I was blessed. And then I went to Austin High School to the 12th grade as far as the education that I ever received, no college. A local bank saw fit to hire me to come to work for them, and they trained me and led me, advanced, promoted me to first to a, I was assistant auditor for a few years. I was assistant cashier in charge of the department. I was retired. I was an assistant vice president in charge of a, a large department that employed 30 females. <laughs> you think I didn't need help. <laughs> but, but anyway, in the year 1999, my two sons, Robin is sitting here, here with us, Mark was here earlier, and I decided to fly up to Aspen, Colorado to visit my sister and help her celebrate her 50th wedding anniversary. The third day when we left to come home, we went down to the airport there in Aspen. Robin called and got all the weather report. He got the uh, fuel, the wings filled with fuel, and we took off. He was an experienced pilot, I'm telling you. If it wasn't for him, you, you'll have, you can talk to him later. But he was certified to fly IRF. So we started up following the highway that leads over Independence Pass. Independence Pass is in excess of 13,000 feet above sea level. The single engine plane got up to around 11,000 square feet. Because of the air was a lot lighter than what the weather predicted, we could not gain any more altitude. Robin gritted his teeth and said, we're not going to make it. Instead of pushing that throttle forward and stalling it and falling out and killing us all three, but anyway, he tried to land it on the side of that mountain, and the first thing we hit was a tra big trailhead signpost that knocked that left wing off with full of fuel, spun us in a 360-degree turn, hit another rock embankment, lost the other wing, and you'll probably see behind me maybe the picture how that plane wound up in the bottom of the creek. All three of us walked out. We walked up to the highway, and here come the EMS. They said, gentlemen, Please don't leave. We might need your help in getting those people out of that plane. <laughs> when, we told him, when we told him, you're looking at him. His eyes was unbelief. But anyway, later on, I volunteered for a drug study. I was healthy, but they run several tests on me and told me I was not qualified. But if I didn't have a, a heart doctor that they would recommend me one. Went to Dr. A cardiologist, Dr. Paul Tucker. He said, well, I know you're healthy, but let's, run, let's take a look. He ran a camera up through my arteries and found out the major artery was 85% blocked. Two other arteries were blocked, but I had no notice of it. God is good. And I've got so many stories to tell that, uh, that, that I'm limited in time. But I want to tell you that uh, when the Lord passed out talents, 
I was out fishing somewhere, and that's about the only talent only that I was able to master. But I have caught so many fish. I've had so many fish fries. Some of you attended the fish fries while here with the church on the dinner on the ground. And again, I have lived a such a blessed life. I have been. You can see why my guardian angel asked the Lord to give him some relief because he's been time taking care of me. But you know, <laughs> then and I graduated from the only school in high school in Austin. And to the twelfth grade, no further education. The bank hired me, and then the the good Lord sent a couple of angels, His angels down from heaven, to be my helpmates. I was married to my first wife sixty-five years. Bless her heart, she lived, and she went on. She's up there smiling now. But during that time, she was on the dare from her girlfriend. She invited me to a Baptist church Valentine party not knowing that she'd live to spend the rest of her life with me. <laughs> but through the, I've had three major surgeries. The back surgery, one night in the hospital. Triple bypass, maybe a week. But a week and a half ago, I had a complete left hip replacement. One night in the hospital. I came home, and you can see me today. You think there's not a, a, a God guardian angel that's looking after me? I'm telling you, I am so blessed, and for the rest of my life, I will appreciate what all the, I appreciate all these people, all the friends that the God. He put a smile on my face, and uh, the people uh, have really benefited. I have really benefited. It. Thank you all for your love and your prayers. I love you. Right, wait, wait. There's one thing I want to leave a thought with you. You know, life doesn't consist of what you accomplished. But it's what you leave behind that honors God. Well, the Lord had to prove to me that he was something more than what I thought he was. I was raised in church. I was the only child of my parents. And to me, Jesus Christ was like George Washington. He was a good man that lived a long time ago, and uh, he set a, an example for us to follow. In my life, um, I had dated this young man over here uh, for the four years I was in high school. And two weeks before I graduated, uh, he convinced me that we should elope and get married. Well, he was going to a, a new radio job in El Paso, and I think he was afraid that he would never get me to marry him if he didn't marry me now. So, anyway, after, we were gonna keep it a secret for a year. And so he brought me home after this ceremony. And I remember kneeling down beside my bed and asking the Lord to make a real marriage out of what we had just done. And, you know, I think he did. We've been married almost 63 years. <laughs> 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 um, 
But the first seven years we were married, it was a mess. <laughs> it, was, it was just unbelievable. And every time I decided I was just going to cut my losses and leave, <laughs> I discovered that I was pregnant. And, you know, I I'm, I'm guess I'm a slow learner, but it happened to me three times. The Lord knew that that would stop me cold, that I wouldn't leave at that point. I then started attending a prayer group at St. David's Episcopal Church, and they had a healing service there as well. And... I, I saw some really amazing things that had happened there, um, including my best friend was healed when the doctors couldn't help. So I began to think there surely must be something more than what I know. In fact, I even read a, bi a book by Catherine Marshall called Something More. On April the 16th, 1964, I sat in the back of the church all by myself, and I told the Lord I had really made a mess out of my life, but that if, if he could do something better with it, I was going to give it to him. And he uh, then impressed upon me uh, thoughts, and I thought, hmm, that was the first time I realized that the Lord spoke to me, and he said that I was one of his sheep. And that he was going to give me a new name. And that name would be Joy. And it did. It was happened. Um, I've also met a young woman named Missy there. And she just seemed to have an internal glow, a light bulb inside her. And she talked about uh, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And... I just knew I wanted what she had because she was such a light. And uh, so when you, she said that when she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that she spoke in a, a language that she hadn't learned, that it was this language that came from your spirit, not from your mind. Well, this, this made me hungry, and I began asking everywhere for prayer to receive the Holy Spirit baptism. Then on Labor Day weekend, God was gracious, and he sent Father Dennis Bennett from Seattle to um, uh, Austin. And he had been in the national news for having been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And his Episcopal Church had been raised from the dead. So, <laughs> amen, it did. <laughs> so that weekend... He prayed for about 12 of us Presbyterians, and we had Pentecost. Yeah. But about two weeks later, I began to have strong suspicions that I was pregnant again. And I said, Lord, this can't be. Dick has just quit his job. He's going to go to seminary, and I already have three children and I'm going to have to get a job to support us. And my marriage has been healed. So I don't need to have another child. <laughs> the, the Lord spoke and said, yes, 
you're going to have a son, and his name will be James Stephen. But I didn't realize the significance of that at the time. Three days before Stephen's first birthday, our three-year-old son drowned. As I arrived home from teaching piano in town, I was met by Dick's brother who said, you won't believe this, but John has drowned. I immediately began praying in tongues. And for the next three weeks, I literally felt the Lord holding me up. Underneath my arms were the everlasting arms. About six months later, I was cleaning out a drawer and I came across a baby book that told what your children's names were. I thought, well, I'm just gonna see what all of mine mean. But when I came to James, I found its meaning was one who takes the place of. I was totally overwhelmed by God's love, his mercy, and his foreknowledge. After Dick was uh, finished seminary, he was ordained and appointed as the director of Austin Teen Challenge. And we embarked on a six-year, very intense, full-time campus ministry called The Well. We have one here. God was gracious to us during that time. We had hundreds of young and older people accept Jesus with lots of baptisms and many weddings. We were very busy. After 1976, we moved to Oak Hill and led a fairly normal life. We helped plant two churches. I taught music in public school. Dick worked in radio. I was very active in a spirit-filled women's group called Women's Aglow. And it was there that I realized that my life's calling was to teach younger women to love their husbands and to love their children. That was Titus 2.4, I found out. In 1993, we bought our land on Pastebin Road, and we drove by this Baptist church for six years <laughs> until I began attending a women's Bible study here. You, you remember how I felt about Baptist music? <laughs> In 2004, another highlight of my life was our three-week cruise to the Mediterranean in Israel. It turned my black and white Bible into a full living color. Now, what a blessing that was. Since 2006, I have been diagnosed three times with breast cancer, but Jesus has healed me twice, and as the song we sing, I believe that he will do it again. Yes. Amen. Yes. Because the Holy Spirit has been awesomely faithful to me. Hey, Russ, I'd like to have hair. I don't care what color it is. <laughs> okay, one of the greatest revelations that's come to me about the Holy Spirit is the fact that he is available to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to use a cliche that we use right now. The question that I always had and the question that came to me is, am I tuned in to the Holy Spirit? Have I got him turned on and am I tuned in? Because I can have him tuned in turned on and not tuned in and it doesn't work real well. I'd like to share with you two times in my life that I really believe I had him tuned in. 
And the first time truly has to do with having the right station at the right time and being tuned in. I was flipping through the stations one night. Now this is TV time, 30 years ago. You gotta remember when it was, no internet, so you're watching TV. That was a thing you did. So I'm flipping through the stations trying to find something to attach my attention to and I came across Frederick Casey Price out of California. Now Frederick Casey Price is an African-American minister and he's very good, but you gotta remember this was 30 years ago and my soulish voice said to me, I do not need a black minister to tell me how to run my Christian life. That's not a very good place to be. And you need to understand something. This is 30 years ago and this is a, a product of being raised in a certain way. Price was very, very nice in the fact that he taught me the love of God. See, prior to that time, being raised in the South, I was a product of the product, and one of the products was your parents and your family. They would tell you when you're young, you're little and you're running around, you do something a little bit odd, God's going to get you. Don't do that. God's going to get you. Well, that's okay when you're three and four or five, but when you're 40 and you think God's going to get you, you have a very slanted viewpoint of what's going on. I truly believe God was sitting up there with his white robe. And a big clipboard. And he had daddy boys on one side and uh-ohs on the other. Now, Larry Carlton wasn't a bad guy. He'd change the neighbor's tire. He'd help the little old lady across the street. He'd open the door for mom and dad. But being a guy, he'd also been places he shouldn't been. He'd done things he shouldn't done, and he had thoughts he shouldn't think. And as a result, I knew there was a lot of uh-ohs. And I just thought, well, why in the world should I even care? You know, I mean, got a lot of uh-ohs. What, what, what's the thing? Well, by tuning in the price and listening to what he said and learning that the love of God was there for me 24 hours a day, and his whole demeanor and his whole job was to help me live life to my fullest, it changed my life forever. Now, when I study somebody and I look at their viewpoints, I like to find out who they studied from. And that helps me understand their slant on things. Now, one of the people that Price kept talking about was Kenneth Hagin out of Oklahoma. He was originally from Texas, uh, has started a university or a college in Oklahoma. And one of the books that he has written was called The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. This is the actual book I bought 30 years ago. Now, the thing is about this is like most of us, I bought the book very diligently and I set it by my nightstand, <laughs> okay? Now, just for those of you that, you know, this is what it looked like 30 years ago, they finally figured out if you put a little bit more pizzazz in it, you might want to buy it. <laughs> so this is the book today, same book, truth doesn't change, but anyway, so put it by my nightstand, Walked by the nightstand, got in bed, and the book actually said, read me. Okay, I'll pick it up. I'll read a page. I'm tired. I put it down. Next time, read me. I pick it up, read a page, put it down. Finally, after about a year, my curiosity really perked, and I read him. I read the book. I read the book. I read the book again. I reread the book. And it impressed upon me how just how God is trying to work through the Holy Spirit into my life on a daily basis. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a power. It's a person. And he is trying to influence my life on a daily basis. Now, the second time, or the second encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit that I'd like to share 
This is, again, 30 years ago, no internet. If you want to know what you had in the savings account, you went to the credit union or you waited until the statement came to your house. I'm going to the credit union to find out what kind of savings I've got, and I'm blessed a little bit. I've got $14,000 in <clears throat> the credit union, and I noticed that for three months I'd made a $1.24 interest. Now, I said some things like, oops, that's not too good. Uh-oh, some of those things you're not supposed to say. Anyway, and I'm standing there with the paper in my hand, and I heard just as plain as I'm talking to you, move it. I'm going, move it where? So I folded up the statement, stuck it in the book I had in my hand, because I always carry a book around, went back, got in the car, went home, and forgot about it. Three months later, I get the statement in the mail this time. Open it up. Now I have $14,001.24 plus another $1.24. So I've got $14,002.48, and I'm going, this isn't good. And I heard the same thing again, move it. Now, I'm not a financial guru, and I'm not anything like that, so I'm going, where do I move it? I go home that night, once again, watching TV, no internet. They had a public sh TV show on, and it was how to retire in, with, you know, money in the bank, so to speak, or how to retire, you know, fluently. And one of the reasons or one of the things they talked about was the fact that to retire and retire at the same level that you're living, you need to have multiple streams of income. One of those multiple streams of incomes happens to be mutual funds. Now, I don't know anything about mutual funds. I still don't know anything about mutual funds. But I did a little research, found out that get something that's been working, put your money in there, and leave it alone. I take the $14,002.48 and I stick it into mutual funds, and I just happened to hit the market when the market exploded. A year and a half later, they were worth 10 times what they were when I put them in the market. Now, I'm not trying to get you to buy mutual funds. I'm not trying to get you to take your money and go invest it in something. But what I am telling you is that if you will listen and do what he says, he will come alongside of you. So I'd like to leave you with two things. First of all, have you got the Holy Spirit turned on? Second of all, are you tuned in? The third thing is he doesn't always give you all the answers all the time right up front. He told me two things. Sit down, turn it back, and learn something, and move it. And because I followed his instructions, it changed my life. <laughs> In 1979, when I was 31 years old, I entered into a personal relationship and a walk with God. Until that time, I had never read the Bible, but it was actually through the Bible that I came to know the Holy Spirit. In Exodus 35:31, it speaks about a man who's been chosen to help furnish the tabernacle, and he God has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all craftsmanship. Ooh, Lord, I'd like to have that Holy Spirit in my life. All through the Old Testament, it gives example after example of the Holy Spirit falling on someone, and they begin to prophesy, or it falls upon a cowardly man, and he becomes a brave heart or suddenly becomes a leader and a whole nation of people begin to follow him. Oh, Lord, I'd like to have that Holy Spirit in my life. And then in the New Testament, Matthew 4.11, John the Baptist is speaking about Jesus when he says, He will baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Then in Acts 1-5, Jesus has already risen from the dead. He appears to his disciples and he says, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then it happened. As you read the book of Acts, it was so exciting to see. I mean, Pentecost was an amazing thing, but it was more than that. It was after Pentecost that got me so excited. I mean, these guys would go out and begin to preach, and everybody who heard them would get saved. They were healing people just like Jesus did. And when they got thrown into prison, they got busted out in miraculous ways. Oh, Lord, I want that Holy Spirit in my life. Now, despite the fact that all this is in the Bible, the church that I was in at the time just didn't believe that Jesus was still baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. But I did know some people who did. So I went to see my friend, Mildred Johnson. She counseled with me and she prayed with me. And then she asked God to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. But nothing happened. But Mildred said, it's okay, Marilyn. God has heard your request. And because you have asked, he is going to do that for you. But it's going to be in his way and in his time. So just a few nights later... I was asleep in my bed with my husband, and there was this powerful sounding wind outside. So as I started to wake up to that, something said to my heart, it's a mighty rushing wind. And by now, I am sitting straight up in bed because there in front of me, heaven has been opened. And there's a tremendous bright light, but I can see my Father God sitting on his throne. There's a lot of movement and a lot of sounds, but I am completely, completely immersed in this incredible love that I have never experienced in my life. I just instinctively reach out to my Father God, and I begin to praise him. And I realize that I'm speaking in a language that I don't understand. And I'm just further filled with the joy of the Lord. And then I hear a voice, and it says, get up and come away. And just like Peter in his moment of glory, as he was walking on the water, looked down at the waves, so I looked over at the kitchen door, and heaven was gone, and I was gripped with fear. You see, at that time in my life, I had rats in my house, both literally and figuratively. And everyone knows that if I had to get up at night and go across that rat-infested room, rats were open up at night. Ever since my young childhood, my life had been controlled by fear. But that was about to change. You see, despite how that evening ended, no power of hell could ever steal from me what God did for me that night as he baptized me with the power of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't long 
before I was learning to tread upon serpents and scorpions and rats and red wasps and over all the power of the evil one, knowing that nothing could injure me. Thank you. So over these past 40 years, as I have walked with God, I have so many awesome experiences with the Holy Spirit that I'd love to share with you. He's just become my constant companion. The more I know him, the more I love him, and the more I trust my life to him. There was just one thing. As I'm praying to him, I can't imagine what he looks like. I mean, I saw my father got on the throne, and I had several beautiful images of what Jesus looked like. But the Holy Spirit, a descending dove, a tongue of fire, a lampstand with seven lights. I just didn't know what he looked like. Then we became one chapel, and I was in Catalyst like so many of you. Russ was delivering a message on the Holy Spirit. And as I listened to him, I was convicted in my heart that I had not been surrendering myself to the Spirit and allowing him to pray through me. And so the very next morning, I was driving to work, and uh, I felt that nudge again from the Holy Spirit. So I said, Holy Spirit, I trust you to pray through me. I am going to surrender my mouth and my tongue to you, and I ask that you pray through me. And I began to sing, and I began to sing in tongues. And then as my song began to fade, I very clearly heard a young man's voice say to me, I look like Jesus. I'm the spirit of Jesus, and I look just like him. <sighs> Words cannot describe how I felt then. As that now familiar love washed over me and into the deepest fiber of my being, as he answered my unasked question. And so now I ask you, do you want that Holy Spirit in your life? Come on, everybody. Put your hands together for these five. Amen. Thank you so much. Go ahead and have a seat real quick. Let me just read that passage again. Psalm 71. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I feel like we were able to do that just in part, just a little bit. Um, these five are going to stick around here and pray. They're going to just kind of stick around here and, and be here for you to talk with you, to pray with you. I, I, as we've done these five by sevens over this past year. The thing that I've noticed is that there's something always that God wants to impart. And uh, instead of having our normal prayer teams forward, um, these five are just going to be here to pray with you. So if one of their stories really tugged at your heart, I want to encourage you to come up and ask them to pray for you. Um, just love on them. Let, let them love on you. There's such an incredible uh, spiritual principle of impartation. And, and you can try to figure it out yourself or you can get imparted from those who have gone before you. And so I want to encourage you to do that. What do you, what do you think about these 
amazing people. I'm just so grateful. Just a couple of things before we finish here. Uh, just as a reminder, tonight um, at 5.30, One Chapel Austin, we're having our worship service for all the One Chapel campuses coming together where we're going to seek God and seek the Holy Spirit and see what He wants to do in our lives. So that's 5.30 tonight, One Chapel Austin, down by the Y, Monterey Oaks area. And also as well, if you're, if you're new around here, if you've not come to a welcome party, we'll have that in five minutes. So it's 12.56 right now, so that's 101. We'll start, so in five minutes from now, 101, and it'll last five minutes. Minutes, just the top of the ramp um, to your right. I'd love to be able to meet you and just to say hi. Why don't you stand on your feet? Let me just pray over you before we're dismissed. Father, I thank you for these amazing people that are behind me and what you've done already in their life and just the testimony of your working in their life. And just as we sang it this morning, God, would you do it again in our lives? Father, would your presence move from one generation to another generation? And, and so, Father, I pray for everyone that's, that's here in this building here today. Father, that you would just begin to stir a hunger for that something more that these men and women talked about, the, the knowing that you're working in our lives, that you want to warn us, you want to show us things that we don't know, that you want to protect us, and, and that, uh, that if we just surrender our lives to you, Lord, that you'll be right there in all the difficult situations that that we face, that the Lord, that we would stop and listen to your voice and, and uh, surrender to what you're saying and not, and not ignore it, and, and to really seek for that something more, to know you even more and to allow your spirit to fill us up. And so, Father, would you do that for every single one of us? God, just stir that hunger inside of us for all of who you are. And just break off the church religious thing from us that a lot of times just stands in the way of really meeting you. And so, Father, I thank you for these people behind me and what you've done. And, Lord, I pray for that impartation now to happen for us. And, Father, for your presence to move in greater and greater ways in our lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.